baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The Chris and Amy Show, sponsored by Summer at SLU. Find your kids' best summer yet at St. Louis University. Look, there's just options for leverage innings where guys, I, I would feel comfortable putting them in those situations. I mean, if you look at Andrew, he's thrown some meaningful innings over in Tampa. Like, he's comfortable throwing late and, and tough games and being on that stage. So we do have some options back there with Gio and Andrew and Middleton. I mean, you go down the list, there's some good options outside of Helsley and JoJo. Um, so ability to shorten the game is, is real. Cardinals manager Oliver Marmol um, talking about his bullpen and hoping the depth is good, believing the depth is good for the 2024 season. The Cardinals are in the midst of spring training as we speak this week, reporting for camp pitchers and catchers. Now full team squad, they're going to get going here and uh, just getting themselves ready for the baseball season. This Cardinals report brought to you by Renner Garage Door, R-E-N-N-E-R, forward and back. Family-owned and top-rated, RennerDoorSTL.com. Let's send it to Jupiter, Florida, that is. We bring in our guy. What are you doing? Come You're on, such man. a cornball. Just, just making sure. You might think Florida. it's the planet. Uh, oh, that. Matt Pauly, our sports fella. He joins us from spring training. Oh, what's going on, Matt? Just another day of baseball out here. How are you guys? Hey, we're doing okay today, mm-hmm. all things considered. And um, what what's other than the jerseys thing? Because <laughs> that was a thing on Monday. Yeah. Other than what's going on with the uniforms, which we can get to in a minute. What's happening at camp today? Yeah. So uh, just more bullpen sessions from pitchers. That's the main thing. We saw uh, a lot. You know, it's only twenty twenty five guys uh, go out there and have bullpen sessions at one point or another. The first group today, uh, that included, uh, let's see, uh, Lance Lynn was in there, Sonny Gray, Ryan Helsley. Other people came in after that. So uh, it's just a lot of guys kind of getting loose, getting 15, 20 pitches in, and that's sort of the way they're going to get things started. And so you've got the full team uh, workouts. When is that happening again? I thought it was. Uh, they report on Sunday, first okay, Sunday. workout right. on Monday. All right, so that's, that's happening very soon. Well, in, in the first few days of camp, as a baseball observer, what are you most interested in? Uh, two things, and it hasn't really changed. Uh, the the, the uh, battle for bullpen spots, but you know what? The battles aren't going on yet. Again, this is more about just guys getting loose. Right now, it's just watching guys play catch. If we're really being very honest about things, it's watching guys play catch. It's listening to the answers that are being given. Uh, it's it's the attitude and the excitement. But once things actually start happening that matter, it's uh, watching the the battle for the bullpen spots and whether or not Mason Wynn can be the everyday shortstop. So that's all stuff that I think everybody is is paying attention to, wondering how this pitching staff is going to shake out. Um, as you mentioned, it is still very early. But this bullpen, it seems like they are improved from last season. And again, you never really know about a bullpen because there's a lot of fluctuation or there can be from year to year. But 
Um, how much better is this Cardinals bullpen than last season? I think significantly better just because of the two guys that they've brought in. Most most specifically, they brought in more than two guys, but the two guys that you kind of pencil in as being high leverage guys in Andrew Kittredge and uh, Keenan Middleton. You add that to the group with Ryan Helsley and, and JoJo Romero and you know, Gio's in there as well. It feels like there's a lot more options now when if you're up by one in the seventh inning and you need to hand the ball to somebody, there's a lot more confidence in who you're handing the ball to in that situation this year than there was last year. Anybody you think could have a breakout spring? You, sometimes you never know, but is there a player or two that you're really going to pay attention to? Yeah, so one guy that I'm watching is uh, Lucan Baker because he's got power, and if, if he can find a way to make this team and also find a way to be a consistent power bat off the bench – that could be a really impactful thing for this team. He's a right-handed bat. He has power. He's not going to play every day. You got a guy by the name of Paul Goldschmidt over at first base, and there's other guys on the team who can, you know, an Alec Burleson can play at first base, a Matt Carpenter can play at first base. So Baker's opportunities would be few and far between. But if he can find that way to get, you know, three, four at-bats a week and still be productive, that's a powerful bat off the bench. All right, now let's get to the important stuff. What's wrong with these jerseys? The uh, The Athletic wrote about it today, or at least the story was posted today. You've got players around the league saying things like, they look cheap and it looks like a giveaway jersey that they might hand out at a stadium um, they don't, uh, players for the most part, don't appear to be happy with what they're wearing on the field right now. What's going on? Yeah. So fanatics took over the production of the jerseys this year. They're, they're licensed out by Nike, but Nike's not producing them anymore. Instead, they're being produced by fanatics and I don't have a big problem with the front of the jersey. So the front of the jersey looks a little bit different because the birds on the bat is no longer being stitched directly onto the jersey. It's being stitched onto a patch, and then the patch is being put on. It is still being stitched. That was something that the Cardinals really fought hard for. Uh, initially, Fanatics was going to do some sort of you know press on there, and, and the Cardinals said no, that they still expected it to be stitched on. So I don't have a problem with the front. The back of the jersey, though, the the numbers look weird. The names look weird. They look cheap. They lowered where the MLB logo is. So generally, the MLB logo is right on like the collar. And now it's a little bit lower, right above the lettering of the name. So that, that doesn't really look very good. Uh, players were complaining about the way the pants fit. So previously, you would get measured, like your legs and your body would be measured in multiple areas, and the pants would be designed specifically for your body. Well, this year, I guess they're just doing a couple measurements, and they don't fit as well. So uh, outside of the press release, which there was a quote from Nolan Arnato in the press release, uh, being very positive about the jerseys, outside of the press release, I have not heard a single person say a positive <laughs> thing about these new uniforms. It's no. almost like, I mean, if you're listening from the outside, you're thinking, oh, suck it up and play. But, I mean, could it could it lead to maybe some changes here? Because you want the players to be comfortable I think that's the start, right? When they go on the field, whatever they're wearing, I think you want them to feel good in it. Yeah, I think there's two things. First off, it's a big league jersey. Like you walk into a big league clubhouse for the first time, you put on that that uniform top. It's it's something special and it 
these don't feel quite the way they did before, so you lose something. I don't expect any changes for this year. Production, and it would be really tough uh, at this point in time, you know, just uh, five, six weeks out from the start of the regular season. It would be hard to turn, you know, to pull an about face and do something. Uh, but if the if the complaints remain consistent, I would think changes for next year. The other thing, this is the stupidest thing in the world, by the way, when it comes to uh, something else with jerseys. So Major League Baseball has a rule that – you can't have more than five jerseys. So the Cardinals already had four jerseys, the classic home and away, and then they've got their alternate home and away. This year they're adding a City Connect jersey, so that's their fifth. In the past, during spring training, they have worn these red spring training jerseys during games. They're lighter, they just make sense, and then you have this big feeling of finally getting to wear the white Cardinals jersey when you make the team. Well, spring training jerseys, count against your five jerseys so that's they had stupid to, yes it's it's that's insane. very stupid yeah they had to drop the spring training jersey this year and guys are wearing the actual in-season game jerseys while working out on the backfields simply because the cardinals have a city connect and major league baseball won't let them have more than five jerseys and they count that as one of their five this is insane it is mlb is so dumb so about what would happen okay this is an, a serious question what would happen if the Cardinals just made spring training jerseys and wore them? They probably can't get them made. Well, and here's the thing: Cardinals I mean, we're we're, made. we're talking probably million millions of dollars, with, you know, for the total contract that Major League Baseball and, and Nike and now Fanatics are getting involved. We're if if the Cardinals were to take the field in a jersey that was not the official jersey, they get in trouble. Yeah, th- there, I mean, that might be breach of contract, yep. lawsuit sort of stuff. Really? Yep. yep. Yeah, that's so unbelievably technical. I do think the jerseys look cheap. The jerseys look like if it were my job to order the jerseys and I found a slightly better price on Amazon to buy these jerseys Uh and I bought them and it said they were authentic and then they show up and you're like. Uh, what is it? DH gate. Yeah. It's like you bought a Jersey from DH gate. Uh, That's what these look like. It's like, well, I mean, I bought a pair of Adidas shoes like years ago when I first started shopping, you know, on Amazon, I thought, Oh, here's a great price for these Adidas tennis shoes. Well, they definitely were made in some random small town in China because the box was written entirely in Chinese and the shoes were the cheapest thing. I threw them. I just threw them away. They were so cheap. That's what, they kind of look like they got scammed. I think it's really worth because I saw the social media reaction. And of course people out there are going to say, Oh, look at the Cardinals cheaping out again. This has absolute give the Cardinals credit for getting the stitching on the front. This has absolutely nothing to do with the Cardinals. This, this is a major league baseball issue. Yeah. And uh, they control everything and they, well, I guess all the leagues do. I mean, they really, have a, a lockdown on this stuff because it's it's merchandising for them. They they're able to sell jerseys and they want the, the teams to wear what they are producing so that they can sell what they are producing to fans. It's also of note Fanatics is taking over the uh, construction of NHL jerseys beginning next season. Oh yeah. Well, oh, it's well, been Adidas, a right? It has been Adidas. Okay. It yeah, was so Reebok, for, I think, before that. It, the weird thing in all this is, so Nike has been producing them. Now, Nike has, like, taken a step back to actually producing, and they've basically outsourced the production yeah. to Fanatics and are just allowing them to throw the swoosh on there. Um, and, and that's what's going to be 
So that's why it's different last year to this year. They're both technically Nike jerseys, but last year was different because mm-hmm. it was produced by Nike. Now it's being produced by Fanatics, and that's what the NHL jerseys are going to be next year. They're going to be Fanatics-produced jerseys. See, that's what surprises me, that Nike would do that. Like, why would you go – are they saving money? Why yeah, would you money. go cheapo yeah, on Major League Baseball jerseys? I would guess that Major League Baseball is one of your bigger contracts, and the thing is, for all of Nike's troubles, and you can say – I know a lot of people who don't buy Nike for whatever reason. Um, a lot of reasons, too, is like how their stuff is made and where it's made. I'll tell you what, they are known for a lot of quality products. Like, they make the best running shoes. I like their running clothes. They're known for actually good quality. So why, in what I would guess is an important contract with Major League Baseball, would they be cool with saving money and manufacturing through Fanatics? It's the world we live in. And speaking of that, you know, uh, New Balance shoes are definitely better than Nike shoes, Amy. Well, well, the ones you wear, those white the ones. ones that got stolen, the ones that you use to mow the lawn. That's what <laughs> that's what he's got. Well, listen, I have, an, I have a, a narrow foot. Nike, I think, is good for narrow feet. OK, <laughs> thanks for sharing. Hey, uh, anything else we need to know before we say goodbye? Uh, no, just make cool. sure that Amy doesn't fall over with her narrow feet. <laughs> OK, you yeah. know what, Matt? I, I, I go to bat for you a lot. This is how you treat me. Well, well, you go, I got narrow feet. You you expect me not to respond to that? No, you do. You should. I also really recommend the uh, Zach Galifianakis SNL New Balance commercial. It's pretty funny. I feel like I've seen it. I will look it up. But New Balance is great. Hey, we'll talk next week, Matthew Paul. Oh, wait. Uh, Countdown to opening day tonight? Yes. Mike Claiborne and myself, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. Uh, lots of interviews, lots of audio from press scrums. Just uh, if you want to get a sense of what's going on at spring training, we've got it for you tonight. Later, Bubba. See ya. That's Matt Pauley. He is our sports fellow. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Pauley on air. That's Amy Marks Coors. You can follow her at Amy Marks Coors. I'm Chris. You can follow me at Chris Ranji. It's Chris and Amy on KMOX. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Time to rewind. It's the Chris and Amy Rewind Recap. We have spent the majority of the show today um, talking about what happened in Kansas City at the Chiefs Super Bowl celebration, the championship parade and rally in which a shooting broke out. Um, We've heard from a lot of people. uh, The press conference happening at uh, just after 1030 with the the mayor of the city, the chief of police, the fire chief, and here's where things stand right now. We have not charged them yet. This is still under investigation. We do have 24 hours until we we have to either file charges or release them. And again, again, we are working closely with the Jackson County Prosecutor's Office to present the most successful case for prosecution. Is there issues with with linking them to the actual shooting? So, so some of those questions, I'm not able to give a direct answer just because I want to protect the integrity of this investigation. 
So that is the chief of police, Stacy Graves. They do have three people in custody. Two of them are juveniles. Uh, no charges have been filed yet. They have about 24 hours to get that done. So to present that to a prosecutor and then they will go from there. But uh, no terrorism, nothing like that. It was a dispute, they believe, that turned into a shooting and 23 people were shot. One person died. And I think you mentioned that that over half of the victims or half of the victims are 16 years old or younger. Yep. 16 years yep. old or younger, half of the shooting victims. We know that two of the three people who are who are being detained as suspects are juveniles as well. And I do think this, Ranj, Perhaps this is a watershed moment. I don't know I hope, if it's man. one of those things that I changes hope. how we approach guns in this country or if it's one of those things that simply changes how we hold big events. Well, we've unfortunately, we've already seen far too many uh, instances where multiple children were shot and nothing changed. Maybe the only thing about this that's different is it happened in front of everybody. It happened in yep. front of literally thousands, if not millions of people who were watching and, and paying attention. I I don't know, man. I, I feel hopeless about it, so whatever. Um, I hate to be flippant about it. It's just... Don't you feel, don't you feel defeated? I, well, of course. And yeah. I think you have to hope that people take action before things keep happening. Yeah. I know with in our own city, we saw... It took a young girl losing her legs before we started taking action on the, the circuit attorney. Uh, we saw another mother and daughter die in the city of St. Louis by traffic violence. Are we going to take action now? And now with this, with the bigger conversation about guns nationally, we have to keep having it. We had a great conversation with Paul Contreras, who was at the parade just celebrating as a fan. And he happened to take down one of the suspected shooters. And out of nowhere, some guy is just screaming out of the top of his lungs to stop this kid, stop this young man, you know, stop him, you know, uh, tackle him, do whatever. And and I had the perfect angle, and that's what I did. I tackled him. And I, in the process of tackling him, I, I either hit it out of his hand or I fell out of his jacket, his sleeve, whatever, was a gun. So as I'm taking him down, I see that gun fall to the ground, and I think to myself, okay, well, he's got one gun. He may have another one. So I need to keep him on the ground, and then another good Samaritan came over, took him around his waist, and we're just putting our weight on him to keep him down and keep him from not getting up and waiting for the cops to get there. That's uh, Paul Contreras. He and his daughter, Alyssa Marsh Contreras, uh, jumped on with us today and, and talked about their experience. And they did, I, whether or not they realize it now, and I'm sure the moment has been overwhelming for them, they did a great thing. And to rise to the occasion in yeah. that moment yeah. when the world is watching and you're surrounded by chaos is extraordinary. That's Amy Marks Cores. I'm Chris Ranji. This is KMOX. Chris Ranji, Amy Mark scores with you. And this is something that affects every single one of us, either because of a parent, 
a family member, or concerned about ourselves as we get older, and that is brain health and specifically dementia. It's such a cruel, cruel disease. I've seen family members suffer from it, and I think deep down, Ranj, there's that fear of what if that happens to me, what can I do to help keep my brain healthy and prevent something like that from happening. Well, joining us now is Dr. Natalia Rost. She is the Associate Director of the Comprehensive Stroke Center of Massachusetts General Hospital. She's also a professor at Harvard Medical School, and she joins us now to have that discussion of what can we do, if anything, to help prevent or delay the onset of dementia. Dr. Rost, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, and I wanted to thank you for the coverage of the story because it's even though it speaks mostly about Alzheimer's disease and dementia, just like you said in your opening, there's so much more to it because we're talking about the whole brain health and the concept of preventive neurology. Well, I don't think that's a thing that people um, really think about. They, the assumption is, well, whatever happens to your brain is what happens outside of concussions and head injuries, that kind of thing, that you can't, you can't do anything about it. If you're going to have brain problems later, then that's just how it is. But there are ways, correct, that you can, you can actually improve your brain health for later in life. Absolutely. And, you know, this is why we're talking about it. This is why we're changing the mindset. Uh, just you, uh, as you mentioned, you know, we kind of resigned to being at the, in the backseat of our car, so to speak, when we talk about brain health. But in reality, there's so much more we can do about it, and not just now, but actually along the entire spectrum of our lives. And I'm here representing uh, the kind of a collective opinion and the effort behind it from the American Academy of Neurology. As president-elect, I've been working a lot in the past several years on what we call the Brain Health Initiative, basically a public engagement campaign working with a lot of stakeholders in the field, trying to bring uh, together, you know, everybody uh, who is interested in helping us to get this concept of prevention, you know, uh, front and forward, uh, making sure that we know that in childhood and in adolescent and in our adult lives and even in the oldest uh, age, we can do something to make our brain health more optimal. So what, what does prevention look like when it comes to brain health? Well, right now, uh, we know kind of bits and pieces from different sciences. So I'm a stroke doctor myself, so we do a lot of stroke prevention. And those elements are well known, for example, from the American Heart Association's, uh, you know, work in, you know, um, basically lifestyle changes, you know, healthy diet, uh, exercise, um, you know, sleep uh, and uh, regulation, and getting engaged in the social connections. But, you know, this is just something that stroke doctors worked on. The prevention in dementia space is also somewhat uh, personalized, where, you know, we talk more about learning new skills, staying connected within your community, um, managing stress. What we're trying to do, though, as neurologists, to bring all the different aspects of it so that we can say that we have preventive measures for epilepsy, preventive measures for multiple sclerosis, brain tumors, et cetera. And as part of that, we're working on developing something that's called well-brain visit, 
which is just one of the tools that uh, is part of the, you know, kind of a national vision for uh, brain health from the American Academy of Neurology. I was actually just reading a story today from Harvard Health, and I heard it on the news that exercise like walking or jogging is can be at times sometimes more effective than antidepressants alone when it comes to fighting depression. And it's an all natural way to help fight that. Do we know that exercise can also help fight off dementia or other brain diseases? It's amazing what exercise can do, Amy. Uh, you know, the uh, there's data for exercise being helpful for our heart, and we frequently say what's good for your heart is good for your brain. But what we're actually learning is that exercise affects brain in a uh, uh, different way. So even the moderate uh, exercise, not just, you know, the strenuous and, uh, you know, kind of extensive uh, amounts of exercise that we sometimes recommend for cardiac health, but moderate amount of exercise, such as walking, as long as it's consistent and as long as it's, uh, you know, kind of a way of, uh, of individual to get engaged with their movement of the body. We have data now that shows that exercise can prevent cognitive decline and frequently, you know, mild cognitive changes, you know, such as troubles with memory, et cetera, are precursors to, you know, frank dementia. And so as long as we can diminish them, as long as we can slow them down and sometimes altogether, um, you know, stall them, that that's something that we're looking for. There are a number of studies that are coming out uh, from uh, credible institutions and networks of collaborators that show that that's the fact. So what sort of of exercise are, are we talking? What does a person, how much of it per week or per day, um, you know, if, if you're just talking about walking or running or whatever it is, what should a person really set a goal for? I think, uh, first of all, it has to be personalized, right? So uh, your capacity to exercise may be very different from a capacity of uh, octogenarians or, you know, adolescents have different goals, et cetera. But as a doctor in my clinic, I always tell my patients as a neurologist that you don't have to, you know, run a marathon. If you want to, you can. But you could do a 30 minutes or 35 minutes or so per day of brisk walking, and it's uh, going to be good both for your heart and for your brain. Uh, this is just something, again, it's a, what we call a moderate activity, uh, level of activity. You don't have to be out of breath as long as you are engaged and as long as you are, uh, you know, moving. That's, that's important. Um, muscle strengthening is also gaining some popularity. As you know, uh, weightlifting, building up your strength, not only good for your body, your, you know, your bones, uh, bones health will, uh, you know, will... Um, uh, thank you, so to speak, with age, uh, but also uh, brain is also engaged in the process, not necessarily specifically for the brain, but I think that that's kind of a building up into the portfolio of different exercises you can get engaged with. I know this question is probably on the minds of a few people, and that is, do brain games and those books or phone apps that are supposed to challenge your brain, do those do anything for you? Do they work? I think there is not like a, a not like a, a a study that compared uh, performance of every of those uh, you know um, brain uh, exercise or tools or games um, uh, with you know with some sort of official treatment or uh, intervention of some sort. But so far, we don't have a specific evidence that any of them that have been studied 
have been uh, doing better than just reading a book or learning a new skill or staying socially connected with your friends and, uh, you know, and family. So I think that uh, for now, there is not like a magic wand or a special uh, tool or trick that's going to help you with that. But just in general, staying connecting and being active and also um, also uh, engaging with new skills and new experiences, uh, that's something that's going to be helping As in the you know, as Amy mentioned right at the, the top of the segment, um, anybody who has been around a family member with Alzheimer's or dementia, it is mm. it's it's awful. It's I mean, it is as bad of a disease as a person can get. And uh, to watch somebody deteriorate is is very difficult. And I know there are all these efforts to uh, try and find some sort of you know, cure or treatment that actually works? How close are we to something like that, a massive step forward in the treatment of dementia or Alzheimer's? Yeah, I. you're exactly right. Uh, that is a terrible disease. Sometimes uh, people say it's fate, worse than death. And uh, there are a lot of resources for those individuals who are already diagnosed. Uh, so, you know, neurologists are the doctors, medical uh, doctors who take care of patients with dementia, and so we highly recommend seeking their input on uh, on uh, you know resources and tools that are available. But I have to say, over the past uh, couple of decades, there has been a concerted effort uh, to get to the cures. And as you might have heard in the past several years, there have been some breakthroughs with new medications that are uh, you know making some advances in slowing down, again, cognitive progression, not necessarily curing it yet, but we're getting closer and technology is getting better. We're diagnosing uh, individuals closer. We're able to do what we call personalized diagnosis. So there are different biomarkers, as we refer to them, blood tests and uh, brain scans and cognitive tests that we can take and kind of project what the uh, you know the future kind of combined uh, uh, combined picture from those tests help us project the future in diagnostic but also in management terms. So we're getting closer, and I want uh, you know your uh, listeners to know that there is hope. And you know whenever there is a concern, make sure to talk to your doctor. Right now, nobody goes into an annual visit and says, "Hey doc, how's my brain doing?" And we really want to make. Uh, change in this narrative. We want to make sure that when people come to see their doctors, whether they're pediatricians, uh, family uh, doctors, or geriatricians, they want to say, what can I do for my brain? And then take that professional advice and, you know, if need be, be seen by neurologists. And and that's kind of the future that we're trying to build uh, through this brain health initiative and the work with the American Academy of Neurology and collaborators. Dr. Rost, we really do appreciate the time. And let's we'll talk again uh, down the road because I I don't think that – People listening can get enough information on this, and then there are a lot of people affected. So anytime we can talk, we would be happy to do that with you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. Dr. Natalia Ross, Associate Director of the Comprehensive Stroke Center of Massachusetts General Hospital, professor at Harvard Medical School, also with the American Academy of Neurology visiting with us here on KMOX. And of course, that interview will also be available on our Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. It is free to download KMOX.com as well. Well, uh, because we like to give 
on this show, and oh, it is yeah. day four of five mm-hmm. for Luke Bryan. Luke Bryan is coming to Hollywood Casino Amphitheater July 28th, and tickets are on sale. Tickets are available, and they're available here for you. A pair for of them. free. For free. Yeah. We're giving away a pair of tickets right now to see Luke Bryan in July at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. Be caller number 11. 11 to 314 Caller 11. Going to go see Luke Bryan at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater this summer. It's Chris and Amy on KMOX. Well, Ron, I guess we should say uh, our winner first. Oh, yeah. Uh, yesterday we had Valerie in Maryville. Yep. And today, today Brad in Swansea. I think it's only people from Illinois calling. It. I know. What's going on? I don't know. Are the phone lines jammed in Missouri? Because we had a Doug in, we had Doug in Staunton. Doug in we Staunton. had a Lana in Collinsville. I think people are making these up. I think Honestly, there's somebody. all week it's been Illinois people. There's one way, guy. Hey, way to represent Illinois. Good for you. Well, uh, speaking of representing, President Trump obviously is dealing with some trials today, Georgia, mm-hmm. New York. So he's a busy guy. Well, also guy. Georgia, they're trying to decide if Fonnie Willis can keep being right. the prosecutor That's in this. That's right. And he's in New York right now. Yes, he's yeah. in New York. Okay. But yesterday was Valentine's Day. Oh. And you would think, well, certainly Donald Trump is going to forget about Valentine's Day, poor Melania, because he's got all this stuff going on. He didn't forget, Ronj. He sent Melania a Valentine's Day message, I think, to his mailing list, too. It was a campaign email. Went is this out. a joke? No, this is, was okay. really sent by Donald Trump. It was a campaign email, but also a Valentine to Melania. The subject line was, I love you, Melania, exclamation point. That's very nice. Then you open it up. Dear Melania, I love you, all caps. Also e- very nice. Even after every single indictment, arrest, and witch hunt... <laughs> You never left my side. <laughs> <laughs> this is a campaign email? Yeah. You've always supported me through everything. I wouldn't be the man I am today without your guidance, kindness, and warmth. <laughs> you will always mean the world to me, Melania. From your husband, with love, Donald J. Trump. That's nice. That's I like nice. that he did the middle initial and Well, the just in last case name. it's a different Donald, Donald F. Trump. Dear Melania, I love you. Even after every single, all caps, <laughs> indictment, arrest, and witch hunt. <laughs> You've been with me through all the witch hunts. And the indictments. Hey, listen, listen. That is, that is, I'm sorry, if, if you like him or hate him, that is objectively funny. That's, I Just, thought you were going to say that is true love. It's objective. <laughs> you stuck with me through all the trials but and witch hunts. I also love that uh, it's he funny. wrote the email. He wrote the Valentine as a campaign e- campaign email, and he used still whatever the capitalization pattern is. He used it. <laughs> awesome. Every single it's awesome. indictment, arrest, and witch hunt. Was it a truth social post? No, it was an email, a campaign email. So I guess he wanted all of his followers well, to know how much <laughs> he loves Melania. Well, I <laughs> And he loves ta- he loves Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, even though he's a liberal. And probably can't stand me, all caps. <laughs> Honestly, you think Travis the- Kelsey cares. I don't know. I bet he doesn't care I don't about politics. So. Does he sound like the kind of guy he does thinking not. about politics? No, he sounds like the kind of guy trying to remember the words to "Viva Las Vegas." Dude, 
he should never sing again. (laughs) Actually, he should. Do it as much as he can. (sighs) So good. Um, Thank you for listening to the show today. It was a a difficult day after what happened yesterday in Kansas City. Um, And we'll be back with you tomorrow from uh, Bush Student Center at St. Louis University. The Billikens Grill, Amy and I broadcasting live 10 to 1. A lot of slew programming tomorrow. So we hope you will visit with us. Um, Anything you missed on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, KMOX.com. Back with you tomorrow at 10 o'clock from the Bill Grill on KMOX. It's Chris and Amy. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.